the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast, you'll enjoy conversations with amazing changemakers, solutionaries, and social innovators who have all taken the path from local citizen to global changemaker. They do so by working to change the system that creates the world's most challenging issues. We structure these interviews around the Blue Roads slogan, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world, and ask participants to tell us about their origins, their work to address issues in their communities, how they've engaged with others different from themselves, and how they've used these experiences to make the leap to changemakers addressing the UN Sustainable Development Goals. As their host, I try hard to take myself out of the conversation as much as possible, that is, after introducing participants, so you won't notice the typical back and forth of the interview process. I hope this will be helpful to you to hear the stories as a complete narrative that addresses all four quadrants of the Blue Roads Changemaker journey, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm happy to have with me Nicole Mignon, who is an attorney, a photographer, and a professional coach, among other specialties. Nicole starts today by talking about her upbringing in a diverse community of coastal Florida and her winding path to her current role, helping others to let their changemaker lights shine brightly. everyone. I am here for another uh, Changemaker interview with my wonderful friend Nicole Mignon. And I met Nicole at the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building last fall, along with a really exciting group of people. And I'm so eager for you to get to meet Nicole today and hear her Changemaker journey story. So welcome, Nicole. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very humbled, actually, because I'm following in some amazing footsteps of people you've already interviewed. Well, I have talked to a lot of amazing people, and you are also an amazing woman, and I'm excited to hear your story today. So I'm going to ask you first just to introduce yourself to the group, however you'd like to do that, and then we'll get into the questions. So the floor is yours to tell us who you are. (laughs) Well, my name is Nicole. And who I am is sometimes complicated when it comes to describing what I do for a living. I'm one of those Jane of all trades in some respects. I've had different careers. Um, I've been a yoga instructor and a Pilates instructor, and I was a life coach. I do business consulting for small business owners, solopreneurs, we call them, people who are trying to create a business that aligns with their values. And so I've, I've done coaching in that. And I'm also an attorney by trade. I've been a bankruptcy attorney for the last 14 years. And back in my early days, I, I mean, I've taught English as a second language, done sales, semiconductor sales. I've worked in high tech. So I've kind of tried in People would say I dabbled in a bunch of different things, but I would also say that I'm kind of meandered along the path a little bit. So that's what I do. Tell us, where were you grown? This is the homegrown quadrant of our homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. And so I just want you to tell us uh, where you're grown, who your people are, and how that background influences who you are today. So I was born in Florida. I'm a native Floridian. 
which is a rare breed these days. And so I was born and raised on the Gulf Coast near the water. And I'm, a, I'm an only child. My father is spent most of his life in that same area, but he was born in San Diego in a military hospital. And my mother was British by birth. She was born in London. And so it was kind of like the stars aligned and my parents met and then <laughs> there I was. And I grew up as an only child in this small little beach, kind of beach community. And, you know, Florida people, it's not really the South, but it's also the South. And so there are some kind of just, there's some distinct personality about the South that happens, but then there's also this sort of melting pot in Florida because we had a lot of Vietnamese refugees from the Vietnam conflict. And then we had some Hmong group, Cubans and Dominicans and Caribbean. And so there was a lot of culture there, but on the other hand, there wasn't. So, I mean, compared to living in New York when I lived in New York and there was a part of me that was always curious about the outside world because my mother, you know, she was from London. She worked in the in an international education office that for the local small liberal arts college there. I ended up going there, but they are really strong in internationals. I grew up kind of, I collected stamps. I watched um, National Geographic. Things. So I was always curious about the world and where I lived. It, to me, it seemed like such a small place. I mean, Disney World, of course, was awesome. You know, that was close by, but I always wanted, there was a big world out there and I, I wanted to know what it was like. And I was always curious. And my grandparents on my mother's side, um, of course, were British. And then there's some German heritage in there and some Romanian. We're not quite sure what my great great grandmother was on that side. So there's a lot of European influence on that side. And then my last name is Italian, my father's side. So there was a lot of that family background as well and and here I was the first grandchild on and I was a girl you know normally Italian families they want a boy and so I always I kind of had this I need to do something with my life um, feeling growing up um, but my parents were very supportive I mean they were young when they had me I think at that generation you know they children lots younger. So I think they were still kind of figuring things out. And here I was this only child and I read a lot and was always curious. And I, I always felt like they encouraged that. My mother was very big on us taking vacations and traveling like she had as a child. And I, I think that really helped me see other cultures and, and other um, question and curiosity, I think more than anything, like things were different. Certainly I've always had my eyes open constantly about biases and, and things that I didn't even realize that I had internalized. And, and that part is, it's really eye-opening as well. Well, I've moved um, probably 30 times in over 30 years. When I went to college, I went to, I did a study abroad in Japan, and then I went back to, I did, that, I did a semester in Japan. And then I lived in Japan after college and I, I just I lived all over the US. I lived in Texas, New York, and always with, with work or um, for love. Sometimes I've moved and I've always wanted to travel. And 
like when I lived in New York or I lived in Texas or lived in California, I feel like an urban anthropologist because I love learning what's the local culture and wow, that's different. And I've always been interested in food and the different beliefs, like spiritual beliefs or cultural beliefs and how did those come about and what are the traditions? What are the myths? What are the what stories did they tell their children that has always fascinated me and tried to help me understand. And if I've had to learn a foreign language, um, that's helped too in understanding. And I, I feel, you know, in the U S they always, people complain, you know, we don't need to learn a foreign language. I know when I was growing up in school and people don't always get this exposure to learning it when I've lived in another country or learning another language has really honed for me how important communication is, but not just the words. Um, it's body language, it's tone, and it's understanding. I, I think when, you're, when I've lived in another country or when I've been with people who are from another country learning English, I'm trying to understand what are they really trying to communicate. And sometimes that actually makes makes communication easier than if we speak the same language all the time. We assume people understand what we're saying when we really don't. As I've traveled and tried to learn other languages or dialects or been with people who are trying to learn English and understanding that, and it's all about communication, it's also shown me how important communication is even with people in our own language. And that's why I loved the River Phoenix training that we did and training I've done in nonviolent communication and in mediation, um, especially cross intercultural mediation training I've done or negotiations or cross-cultural. And right now the, the thing that really I'm passionate about, I haven't figured out yet how I'm going to, what I'm going to do with it, but it's this idea that People think it's it, there's this us and them mentality because there's no communication going on. I believe that people are more about us and them when they're not doing what their heart work is. When, when they're living a linear life, when they're living a very a structured life that they feel they can't change, they're not doing the internal change making, then there's that external blame and there's that external division because when people are happy, their their heart is open and they want to help everybody and they they just they want to pull everybody in and there's understanding and patience. And that's hard for people to do when they're in survival mode, if they're just, you know, or they're overwhelmed, or if they are in a position where they're not maybe in survival mode and they have the resources, but maybe they feel trapped by their life and they're not making these kinds of changes that they, they want in their life or they feel they're stuck or can't, they're really not in a position to help others. One of the things I've always loved about my coaching with people is when they actually start down a path of joy and, and things that they appreciate in life, when they're hard up to helping others and then they can pay that forward. And I, as I'm saying that, I, I'm also acutely aware that there are people who don't have the luxury to be coached into finding their life work because they're in a position where, you know, they've got to survive. And, and I understand that. And I don't, I don't know right now. I don't have answers of how to bridge that or how to, to fix that. And 
one of the things we talked about before we started the recording was sometimes we we want to see change in the world and sometimes we can make that choice or sometimes we need to open ourselves up and get our own house in order so that we can be open to the calling of what we're supposed to help make change in. So I think sometimes we have a responsibility if we don't have all of these survival things going on and, and we we have the luxury of making a choice to not lead a linear life. We have the luxury of making a choice, make good choices so that you are open to that calling to be, to serve. I think when people are really unhappy or stuck, that's, that's not a bad thing. It's just the next step is getting unstuck or figuring out what you need to do. How can you get help to figure that out or what, what resources do you need? When I'm unhappy in my life or I feel stuck, it's because I know it's time for change. And I want to make change or like I'm in transition now. I'm trying to to pull all these skills I have and be of service. And it's like, but where, where do I put that service? And I know that I'm passionate about helping people communicate better because a lot of times people are so stuck in what they think in being right or getting their point across that no one's listening to the other and, and so how do I create a space or how do I help people get their story told? That's why I love restorative justice. I love this model of everybody gets their time with the talking stick. People collaborate into solutions that everyone can feel happy about. And that's a much better model than traditional legal like mediations, the joke in mediation sometimes. I don't want to discount people who do good mediation work, but sometimes in business settings more so, it's both parties walk away unhappy. And that's a good mediation. And we don't necessarily have to live in that paradigm or that belief when we're talking about relating to other people. Right now, the issues that are important to me are around communication and figuring out ways to for me to be a better communicator and also to help people communicate better with each other. Sometimes the issues find you or the, or the cause or the path, like people will naturally start coming to you for certain things or asking questions. And in my case, like a lot of times people will send me things and say, can you edit this or can you fix this? Or how can I say this better or more diplomatically? And, and I really love that opportunity to you kind of ask people, is this the message you're trying to communicate or is, is this what you're trying to say? People just want to be heard and they just want to be seen. And But in personal b- bankruptcy, there's a lot of shame sometimes with people. Um, they're embarrassed or they feel like they've failed somehow versus um, a more optimistic viewpoint of, you know, things happen in life. I mean, that our whole country was founded on you, you getting a fresh start and starting over. And this has always been kind of a guiding principle for me in my life. And I had never made the connection before when I was doing bankruptcy work. It just kind of happened naturally because I had a business background that I fell into that legal practice area. But I've always believed that you can start your life over. And I didn't say it was easy, but no one said life had to be easy, but it doesn't, it doesn't make it any less enjoyable. But I, I believe that life happens for us, not to us. And I believe that we can always make a fresh start. 
And I believe that our inner voice does know. If, if we take the time to listen, it does know what we want and what the next step is. And I also believe that other people sometimes need someone else to hear them so they can hear that voice. And if we are better, if I'm a better listener to someone, if I can really be in a place where I can listen to someone and I don't need to tell them what to do, I don't need to fix other people, I just need to create a space for other people to, to hear what they want. They want to tell their story and it's important to them for a reason. And sometimes maybe just being there at the right time for that person to have their story told will shift their life. But they're shifting. But some people process externally. They need to hear it said in order for it to, to, to manifest or create. And how do I bring that into a space where the community communities can get together and, and practice this or, you know, build a community like our peace building skills that we learned or our community building skills we learned in at the river Phoenix center. How can I bring this element in as well? Like I was thinking about like, there's all these elderly people in the community and they must have amazing stories to share. And I'll bring it back to law because that, in law, it's all about the story. And I, I know people think it's about the law, but it's really about the story. And especially in bankruptcy, and I would sit through these trials and like I said, people would come in and they want to tell their story. It's like how, how they ended up where they are and how they didn't want to be there. Or people, people think everything is black and white, but in the legal world, it's never black and white, especially for judges with, in like bankruptcy cases. And usually it depends. And how often has it happens that we'll hear a story and then one fact that's different completely changes our opinion about what's the right thing to do. One little fact, one little teeny detail could change our viewpoint or our perspective about what is just or what is fair. And, but how many people really get to tell the story? How many people get that to be told? I think that's what I'm really passionate about is helping people get their story and how to communicate better so people feel safe enough to do that or comfortable enough to do that. I'm a business transformation guide because I really believe that the best coach is inside somebody. We're all change makers, whether we're changing ourselves or changing the world. I, I do believe we always have to change, be willing and open to be changed, to change ourselves first or be open to change because change is inevitable, whether you're creating change or it's happening around you. The more open to change that people are and the more willing they are to look at changing, whether it's a belief or a viewpoint or a perspective or an environment or anything, I think that makes them open to allowing opportunities come to them. We can be a lighthouse. If we're doing our work and we're being our best self and we're looking at, okay, I don't like this. I want to change this about myself. I want to make steps to change that. If we're doing that 
then we're like a lighthouse that's guiding other people and giving them permission to do the same. I really believe that. I, I find that people who have really found their joy or have found a place of peace and joy in themselves and are willing to make those tough changes internally, that opportunities come to them where they can make change for others. They are change makers in the world. The, the issues will come to them. I've seen so many examples of that where they're not having to go out and make something happen, but the opportunities are coming to them where they can help others make that change. Because we're not fixing people. We're allowing people to be empowered and be their best selves. People want to do that. People want to step in. They might need some guidance. They might need some assistance. They might need resources. But they really just want an opportunity to choose for themselves what they need and want and to make changes for themselves in their own life and have the opportunities to do that. That's what I think that's what freedom is about. And that's what change is about is allowing everyone to have equal opportunities to do that. And unfortunately, it's not always even and not always evenly distributed. But I can look in my own life, where do I need to make change? And then once I'm solid there and at peace with that, then I can wait and, and see where am I most drawn or who's coming to me or where can I make a difference or where can I make a change? Can I help someone who needs whatever I have to give? Instead of me deciding what they need, them coming and or asking or it just being obvious. You know, I've been accused a lot of being a little too optimistic about things. And to me, optimism isn't being blind to the risks. To me, optimism is like having two hands, right? So I know there's the good and black and the white. or It's choosing where to focus. It doesn't mean I don't know this is here, but I can't look at both hands at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so... It's recognizing and, and working around that. Some people I meet, they just focus on the problems. When I was a coach, I would say that's great. So every problem you give me, you need to give me two possibilities for solutions. Are, you focused, are we focused on problems or are we focused on solutions? There can be a complacency because there's just so much. In some ways, I'm sparking change. I'm a little match, maybe. <laughs> lighting their fire to do their thing. And and so I think there's that. It doesn't necessarily have to be anger, but sometimes anger works. And it's what we do with that anger energy. Where do we put it? To me, I'd rather be angry and pissed off about something than apathetic. I think apathy is really where we don't want to be as a culture and where I don't want to be in my life. And I've been near that. I mean, I think even apathy is almost worse than depression. Because I, I think we want to be fired up about something. The theme of my photos is always about the light. And it's I look for the light and the shadow in people, in stories, and in my environment. And I try to capture that in, in my photos as well. You need shadow. We need this the dark part so the light is more it can show up more. And so we have to take the whole of it and not piecemeal. And, and I think that's the same 
kind of struggle that people have um, that I've seen in, in making change is it seems too big. And so maybe part of, part of it is how do we break it down into little pieces as a team, you know, as a, and collaborate with people to make this something that's doable, helping them create their best selves then that would spread and and it would grow exponentially around them because they would be expanding their circle. And so in similar how we think about this recent virus spreading and how that can contaminate exponentially, we could do the same with positive interaction just locally. Just being my best self is a giving other people permission or showing being a, a guide for them. I don't have to do it for them. I have to empower them to do it so they can empower others. The more we're successful in our own, by our own definition, or the more prosperous we feel, or the more joy we feel, the more calm and at peace we feel, that expands out. And then other people can be doing their best work and they're influencing their circles and it will expand. You throw little pebbles into a pool, as the waves meet, they don't just they expand exponentially. They grow. And I think we could do that instead of fearing that we're not doing some big, great world-saving event. It's more keep it small and simple, and then that will radiate out. Thank you, Nicole, for shining your light into the world and helping others to do the same. You're a great example of how a nonlinear path can lead you toward your maximum potential. Your life and your work serve as examples for others who seek non-traditional ways to grow themselves so that their work can ripple out and change the world around us all. Thank you for tuning in to the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast. We hope you will follow our work and learn more about how you can get involved and start your own changemaker journey. Contact us at www.blueroadseducation.org.